Death Spiral, the only anime podcast based on the beloved series of childhood novels of the same name. We're back. We haven't watched any anime. Anime sucks. I hate it. Boo anime. <laughs> what, what? I can't, I can't stand the stuff. I'm free from watching it for one weekend due to my anime watch partners fleeing the state. So out of reverence for them, I, I have not caught up on the new the new shows. Is it because you made them watch Chain Soldier? <laughs> yeah, they decided to they needed to be away from me, uh, <laughs> two thousand miles away from me. In fact, yeah. uh, so listen, we need <laughs> we need some time to reflect on our whole relationship. We need some time apart. Yeah, we need to think about some things. <laughs> Did you watch them? Uh, no, because I'm a decent human being. With uh, like, are you lying? Are you lying right now? Listen, I, am I under oath? <laughs> I don't think so. It's I didn't fine. think so. No, it's fine. You don't have to admit to anything you don't want to. That's not the kind of show we're doing. We're a <laughs> gentle, caring show. You don't have to reveal your dark personal secrets if you don't want to. Listen, uh, nobody's gushing over here. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that <laughs> for your wife's sake. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no. Oh no. I'm so sorry. How sad. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did not watch any anime this weekend. So here, here's what happened. I tried really hard to, as I was dog sitting, I tried really hard to watch Tales from Earthsea. I kept hovering over it. I had my thumb on the play button. I kept looking at it and I was looking at it and something in my mind just would not let me press the button. You couldn't bring yourself to do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. You know, I think that you and and Hayao Miyazaki had a very similar reaction to that movie. But I I immediately bailed. I couldn't I couldn't do it. So out of I guess self Punishment, I suppose. Masochism. Yes, some kind of horrible masochism. I went ahead. I went ahead and I watched the live action Tales from Earthsea series from 2004. Hell yeah, dog. Uh, Hell yeah. Okay, so that's why you were you were texting me about Sean Ashmore. Yes, I was, I immediately messaged you about Sean Ashmore because I did not realize he was in it. I so I knew nothing about this miniseries. Did not know it existed until I was I was typing in Earthsea into the search box. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad I found it because it is exactly the kind of terrible post Lord of the Rings TV <laughs> fantasy that sits like directly in my fucking nostalgia kill spot. I remember watching that when it premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, and thinking like, I I've never read Earthsea and I still think this is bad. <laughs> I never read Earthsea either. But <laughs> sorry, Ursula K. Le Guin. Uh, Sorry, I, I guess we're being bad feminists right now. You are, you are great. I do think you're a great writer. I just never got around to Earthsea. I'm sorry. You know, when, when I came to know that women actually wrote books, I was so past my, my fantasy era that I just, I haven't gotten around to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they didn't teach that in the history books. No one they didn't teach that from birth to like 10th grade no one ever mentioned that women also wrote books no one ever said it. it's not my fault it, i can't be blamed for my ignorance i went to catholic school so i feel like that's a pretty good excuse <laughs> could i just shout out nk jemison to like make up for my my horribleness uh i do i have read fifth season books they're fantastic 
Uh, love it. Some great woman-led <laughs> fantasy writing. Listen, I read I read a Spark Notes of Left Hand of Darkness in college. Does that count? You know what? It, uh, was it more than one page? Well, you know, I, it was multiple pages, but I kind of skimmed it. You know, if it's multiple pages, I think it counts. Okay, all right, good. I'm in the clear then. So I seem to be the only person on Earth um, who watched the recent Amazon uh, Wheel of Time series. And so I think that also played into my curiosity about Earthsea because, like, how far have we come? You know, this is kind of the cycle. Earthsea came out because of Lord of the Rings. And Wheel of Time came out because of Game of Thrones. Lord of the Rings came out because of Game of Thrones. You're talking about the Amazon series. I think also the Hobbit trilogy, the Peter Jackson ones, those came out because of Game of Thrones. (laughs) I wonder about that. Because remember, Guillermo, Guillermo was in charge of it for a long time, and just they never wanted to do the movie he wanted to do. He just ate up years and years of time until he gave it back to Jackson. Yeah, yeah, he kind of got screwed over on that one. I did watch the first of those uh, Hobbit movies. Yeah. I feel like I could definitely see a lot of flavor that was left over from Guillermo's like kind of tenure on it. You think so? Yeah, I think that it was definitely noticeable. If you could imagine back to the way the Goblin King looked. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to go into my mind palace. Yeah, go back in your mind palace. Scanning, scanning. Oh, that was a dark period in my life. Oh, yeah. A lot of (laughs) shadows in this room. Uh, Oh, okay. I see him, though. I'm blowing off the dust, opening the book. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. Well, then you'll remember that he's kind of like this big, bulbous, kind of awful looking mass of flesh kind of dude, right? Yes, he's gross. He's gross. He's got a bulging eye. He's got like a big jowly chin Mm -hmm. was he voiced by stephen fry or am i making that up no stephen fry was in the hobbit movies but he was not that character oh shit who was he he just played like a guy that he looks like him he didn't even have makeup he was just like he was just stephen fry in in lord of the rings i think he might be the human mayor at the end huh well i i never saw that one so I just assume that he was voicing the Goblin King. I assume all goblins are played by Ed O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, his whole look, I think, is very, that's very Guillermo. And if you can imagine, if you will again, and this may take you outside of your mind palace, because we are in the realm of the unknown here. Uh-oh. Imagine how cool he would have looked like either as a practical effect costume dude like in the 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 Lord of the Rings trilogy not the Hobbit movies yeah. or even better like what if he was like a weird stop motion claymation dude like the Pinocchio that Guillermo did sure sure or the Harryhausens fuck I think that the Hobbit should have been a 90s BBC series okay calm down calm down that would have been great <laughs> we all we know we all know there's no reason to lose your temper. <laughs> I'm so uh, <laughs> mad now. You got me worked up. I think it would be great if they did The Hobbit as a miniseries, like I was talking about. Uh, in fact, I think it would be great if they did The Hobbit with the specific aesthetics of an early 2000s, late 90s miniseries. I'm talking about the very obviously fake sets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the really bad practical effects that they would use. Um, because they were on a shoestring budget and they were crammed for time and they knew nobody was actually going to see it. The uh, the showstopper CGI moments where we're supposed to be wowed by computer graphics, but it looks like 
liquid metal blobs or something. Exactly, exactly. Or like just straight up an N64 game. Yeah. Uh, and specifically the terrible, terrible casting choices where everybody looks 10 years older than they're supposed to be. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and so throw some stunt casting in there, and you've basically got my entire childhood. Yeah. Uh, given given my my Earthsea watch, I'm basically extremely excited for like going back and like visiting all of these old fantasy miniseries. It's really gotten the juices going because I watched so many as a kid. Well, what were what were some of your favorites? Well, I was going over the list. I was trying to think of what I actually owned. Oh, you made a list. You you were thinking about this. Well, I have a you know I have a whole list in my memory palace. Of course, in my DVD shelf in my memory palace, right next to the pool room. Yes, as we have alluded to many times, I didn't have TV, so I was basically, I whatever we had on DVD, uh, I would just watch a million times. And a couple of the things I really, really just watched the shit out of was like. The Merlin miniseries, which I think we're definitely in agreement, is one of the best fantasy miniseries ever made. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Well, Sam Neill is the man. Speaking of of dudes cast like 10 years older than than realistically <laughs> yeah. these characters should be portrayed as. Well, Sam Neill's great because he is cast 20 years too old, then in the middle of it about 10 years too old. Then near the end, about 50 years too young, <laughs> which is really great. It's really cool. I don't know. The old man makeup they gave him at the end wasn't too bad. It's not the worst I've seen. It's fine, but mostly because it's it's shot in super low resolution. I mean, I'll always I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for the, the Merlin miniseries just because of the opening scene where, I don't know, some Vikings or whatever raiding a monastery and and one of them throws an axe and it travels through the air without spinning uh, on a perfectly straight <laughs> horizontal line. He throws an axe and it has hit scan. Yes. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it goes directly into like the chest of a monk or the back of a monk that's fleeing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very funny. It is one of the greatest moments that has ever been on television, and it is <laughs> seared into my mind. Not a lot of things uh, make it into the memory palace. My memory palace is more like a, a memory condo, a, a memory condo. Yeah, uh, but that will live on forever. And, you know, the the Merlin miniseries also had Isabella Rossellini. Oh, yeah, a stacked cast. Uh, who it? was addicted to doing miniseries at the time. She's mm -hmm. in, she was also in this Earthsea thing, which was what made me think about it. Uh, it had a very young Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, yeah. Rucker Hauer was in it. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. You know, Martin Short, mm -hmm. James Earl Jones, I, Lena Headey was I in it. I loved Martin Short in, in the Merlin miniseries. Uh, I, I yeah, love it great. whenever he gets to ham it up. Yeah, Miranda Richardson is in there great cast i love it yeah it's amazing there was a run of these right merlin was part of it but they also did uh the odyssey uh -huh. isabella rossellini also in that one that one's cast is a little bit uh less well known but like eric roberts was in it uh vanessa williams christopher lee they did a jason and the argonauts at the same time they also did 
uh, a Moby Dick one. Okay. I'm trying to think. They also did the Magical Legend of the Leprechauns, which is not good. I really I want to stress how insanely bad that one is. That is now, I, now as opposed to the other ones you mentioned, I don't remember <laughs> the, the Magical Adventures of the Leprechauns being a classic piece of the Western canon. <laughs> Hallmark seemed to think it was. I don't know what was going on in the Hallmark back rooms, but they they decided to do all these extremely famous things and then also throw in Magical Legend of the Leprechauns. I don't know if you can be racist against Irish people, but if you can, this is the most racist miniseries ever made. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Randy Quaid, Whoopi Goldberg, Roger Daltrey, uh, Kieran Culkin, all playing Irish people. It's some real McFace stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. Seamus <laughs> face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's wild how bad that one is. Uh, Hallmark did not miss a lot in those days, but that is a big miss. <laughs> the BBC was doing a lot of these too at the same time, which I also really liked. I mean, I love some of the the BBC ones. Uh, did you ever yeah. watch the BBC Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series? Did I? I think I did. It seems like I would have. That was one <laughs> that I had as like a multi-VHS set at my grandma's house when I was a kid and I watched it a few times. That was, that was a pretty fun one. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. You know, it definitely does that thing of like early nineties. Everything is kind of like more or less shot on a stage, right? You know, a, a, a fixed set. Yeah. I, it, I really liked it. I love that they use a doofy ass lion puppet for Aslan. It's great. Hell yeah. You've got to have a lion puppet. Uh, it's like full on like uh, Jim Henson. What was that? What was that other puppet show? The Storytellers. Between Two Lions. Oh. The one about the library. Do you remember that one? No, I have no idea what the fuck that is. It was it was a kid show, kind of like Reading Rainbow, about two lions that hung out in a library. Uh, I think it was a reference to the New York library that has the big lion statues out front. Anyway. Right, right. Um, it, it, it looked like that. It, it, it was very funny uh, how pronounced the cartoonishness of of Aslan was next to, like, the dude playing Tumnus, who was in full on, who was a, a regular dude in full on, like, satyr costume. You know, he had the horns and everything and the goat legs. I think he was on yeah. stilts. To give him like the backwards and knee like look. Hell yeah! Uh, it, it was it was weird and and kind of janky and I, and I liked it a lot. It also made Turkish delight look appetizing. And I don't know if you've ever had that, <laughs> um, but it's not. It's it's a bad thing. Yeah, I know. Everybody everybody says this about Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe about how they were tricked into eating Turkish delight. Here's here's the real twist though for you, Nate. Well, is that they didn't have sugar in in Blitz era no, London? No, I think I think Turkish delight fucking rules. I like that shit. Oh, okay, and that's it's because good. you have trash taste. Uh, no, I just have incredibly refined taste that can appreciate things that less refined taste buds would miss. Rosewater Turkish delight tastes like licking a grandma. I don't want to. I don't want to go into how I know that. Uh, you know that. <laughs> I mean, that could be interpreted in many different ways. You know, <laughs> I bet there's plenty of grandmas out there that taste fine. <laughs> I don't want to throw all grandmas into the same bin flavor-wise. Okay, hey, listeners, uh, beautiful and handsome listeners, if your grandma tastes good, let us know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you could keep that one to yourself. 
That could be your little secret. Let me know. I'm interested. Uh, <laughs> I prefer if more things were puppets. I think, honestly, I really have never minded that something is a puppet in a movie or TV show. I think uh, I have always been uh, delighted to the point where I clap my little hands and squeal when I see puppets on screen. One of the worst things about the modern era is, like, no puppets anywhere. It sucks. Now people want to just use fucking CGI. They even want to use CGI to make puppets. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, I feel like awful. that is uh, awful. beyond the pale a little bit, if you if will. You are, if you are hired to do that, you should be a conscientious objector. <laughs> no, sir, I don't want to contribute to the downfall of puppet civilization. I think it's unethical to do this. I need to. I need to abstain. I'm sorry. Uh, making this is actually a hate crime against Muppets. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I wish I wish we did never made computers. I guess I <laughs> computers were a mistake. Bold statement. Uh, what yeah. what else? I know BBC has had a bunch of of good miniseries over the years. Well, they've had good ones and bad ones. Neverwhere sucked pretty bad. We've talked about that before. We've mentioned the Neverwhere miniseries passingly. Uh, it, it was a pretty Neverwhere bad is one. fucking wild. That is a wild one. It is not very good. The BBC has done... I mean, they did the Gormenghast one, which you want to talk about because you really Oh, like man, that. I love the Gormenghast miniseries. Uh, again, I haven't read the book because I don't know how to read. Plus, honestly, I'm not sure if you could even lift it. It's, it's a big one, you know, uh, girthy. Uh, for sure, five six inches around diameter. That is that is not a doorstop. It's a bludgeon. It's something you can kill someone with. That's 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 not a doorstop. It's the door, sir. Uh, your book is so fat. <laughs> <laughs> when it sits around the house, it sits around the house. Whoa! Whoa! What's up? I did read that book. And it fucking rules. It kicks ass. Spe you know, speaking of fantasy stuff, Mervyn Peake is the man. He's a real one. Well, I just, I like, first of all, you know, back to what we said about the weird kind of, I'm not going to call them cheap, but but definitely. Wow. They, they, they Like, definitely not realistic sets. I don't know how to describe that, you know. it's They're Baroque. Yeah. They're, and if that's what the... You know, the book is written in a specifically Baroque style. Baroque and uh, Kafka-esque. Uh, don't, don't. Is, is the style of Gormenghast. Uh, sort of endless decaying mazes. Well, I love the concept of an entire city being the castle, right? A castle being so large and so vast that it's not actually a castle. It's an entire city. Uh, or or ecosystem even right yeah talk about stacked cast we got uh, John Rhys Myers you have Spike Milligan's final television performance yeah which is pretty wild uh, we got <laughs> right after he finished his scene he fucking croaked <laughs> who else was in that uh, fucking Christopher Lee was in this shit Christopher Lee of course Fiona <laughs> Shaw who gets lots of work recently. I feel bad that I can't remember his name, but uh, uh, Uncle Vernon from the Harry Potter movies. He <laughs> yeah, was, Richard Griffith. Yeah, Richard Griffith. He was in there as the, uh, he, he was the evil chef. Yes, he's fucking great. Yeah. I believe the name of the chef was Mr. Swelter. Swelter. Get it? Yeah. Get it? Get it? No, I get it. Because he's, 
he's uh, he's on the ovens all day. Maybe that's the reason I liked uh, Dark Souls so much. I feel like there's a little bit of of crossover DNA. There, a little right? bit. A little bit? <laughs> a lot of bit? Uh, Gormagast. Here's, here's what I want to say about Gormagast. You okay, know, we talk right, a lot no, about Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings being some kind of like fantasy Rosetta Stone. But the moment we are living in now and for a little while, Gormagast is the fucking key to like every popular fucking fantasy thing going on right now. Yeah. That's not Isekai, basically. <laughs> yes, like Broken Earth... Kafka-esque. Stop saying that. Are, are the rage. And, and Gormenghast invented basically everything cool about Dark Souls, everything cool about dying Earth stuff. Yeah, well, the idea of, like, a dying society, right, that just kind of keeps carrying on through the motions because that's, yes. that's all that they're that they're programmed to do essentially the locked tombs series uh, is very popular right now literally lifts 90 percent of everything that makes that series cool from gormenghast including many inside references that they constantly drop um i like those books but like lay lay off the fucking in jokes please uh gormenghast is uh, it is insanely cool. It is insanely influential. Mm -hmm. And yes, Dark Souls would not exist without Gormenghast. Dark Souls is basically set in the Gormenghast <laughs> extended cinematic universe. <laughs> oh man, I want to see that BBC miniseries now. Be 90s BBC's Dark Souls would be fucking awesome. Do you, you know what's funny about the miniseries thing on as a whole is like you could you could easily get six seasons to what 24 episodes per season well okay so that I, book is so fucking long you know hey you know what i'll take what i can get especially anything with jonathan reese myers who is fantastic hell yeah he fucking rules he's so fucking cool him and steerpike one of my favorite television performances he yeah hams it up uh so deliciously yes uh <laughs> He's great. He is he is mugging for the audience. He's going all in. I love it. Yeah. Have you seen the Tudors? No, I haven't. He plays uh, Ed, Ed, what, Edward Tudor, maybe, uh, or maybe one of the other lesser Tudors. I can't remember now, but he's like, he's getting <laughs> laid all kinds of places. It's fucking great. A tree, a rock, a well, whatever. He's just like going at it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. In part of my avoiding watching anime completely I also did watch, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Mortal Instruments movie, and he does randomly show up near the end. Really? Of an incredibly boring, awful movie, and then he shows up for, like, two scenes, and he's, like, alive and electric, and he's, like, fun to watch. He's a big villain. He injects some kind of, like, life into this project, like, 20 minutes before the end. <laughs> uh, man, I haven't read those Mortal Instrument books, but... God, if they're anything like that movie, they're some of the worst shit I've ever seen. I'm not even familiar with the series. What's that one about? It's extremely fucking boring, like modern day fantasy where a girl finds out that she's like, in this case, she is uh, like a Nephilim. <laughs> she finds out she's a fucking Nephilim and that demon creatures are like roaming the earth uh, secretly and, and possessing people's bodies to do bad stuff. But the sexy Nephilim boy shows up and he's like, you're a Nephilim. You got to come with me. Forget about your kind of Twinkie boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> I'm the sexy bad boy. And she's like, yeah, you are a sexy bad boy. Fuck the Twink boyfriend. And she like runs off and becomes a, 
a demon hunter. If you're looking for a career change, demon hunter isn't bad. Demon hunter is pretty kick-ass. Uh, I, I'll give him that. Anyway, this is like an anime thing because like <laughs> the anime sometimes does miniseries, but because anime is stupid, they have to come up with like some other stupid name. Uh, so I, they call them OVAs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think yeah. that we're kind of over the age where OVAs are really a thing, right? OVAs existed for distributors to kind of like sell tapes overseas. You know, back when VHS was like first becoming kind of the standard format for home release, like in the early days, uh, you couldn't buy like an eight cassette tape series yet of like a 25 episode series well maybe you couldn't well i couldn't because <laughs> uh, i didn't live in japan and i was like four years old i didn't have money or a job i suck yeah you were a bit of a late bloomer there <laughs> uh so distributors that were even like trying to import anime they there was a demand for short format two to four episode like short series sometimes they didn't even have like a standard run length you could have like 35 40 minute episodes right yeah and they sucked not all of them not all of them suck <laughs> they all suck dude they're all sucky and bad especially the ones that are just like recapped of like a longer series but you buy the fucking dvd or the tape or whatever and you watch it and you're like this is terribly edited this, the pacing makes no sense. Who the fuck is that? Why did they introduce this random character like two thirds of the way through? He seems to be plot integral. What is happening here? And then you find out, of course, that you've been tricked. Well, that's basically the Escaflone movie, right? Yeah. You've been bamboozled by I'm one of not these talking, fucking. There are good original OVA series that were not based on anything. Like they were what? not. Name up. Uh, what well, Ninja Name Scroll, up. for one. We both <laughs> like Ninja Scroll. Yeah, Ninja Scroll's all right. I don't know. You probably never read Basilisk, did you? Or watched it? I didn't read Basilisk. No, I've heard of it. Basilisk is fucking fantastic. It is basically like the Shakespearean tragedy version of Ninja Scroll. It fucking rules so goddamn hard. It's also heartbreaking, but like, it's fucking amazing. It kicks so much ass. Is it doing like the same kind of like dark Japanese mythology thing that Ninja Scroll is? You better believe it, baby. Okay, I got to check that out because I am jonesing for more stuff like that. It is about the ending of the era of ninja and the shogun demands that only one clan survive so that they're loyal to the shogun, right? So basically he makes the two ninja clans annihilate each other. Dope. And the story goes from there. So it's fucking ninja clan versus ninja clan battles. The coolest possible shit you could think of. They got a guy that throws a really big ninja star? Yo, they got guys who do magic and shit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like fucking Nimpo, man. As long as oh. we're on the subject, did you ever play any of those Tenchu games? Uh, no, those were PlayStation games. I didn't have a PlayStation. I was not of the privileged few in America who had a PlayStation. Well, I, I also never had a PlayStation until until maybe when I was 18. I was a late bloomer. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got a PlayStation for a little later in high school, but I did have a friend with a PlayStation down the street that I spent a lot of time at his house. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, we're really close. Can I come sleep over <laughs> at your place again? <laughs> exactly. Well, he also had uh, a copy of Tenchu 3, Wrath of Heaven, 
And I played the shit out of that game. And that also has a lot of Ninja Scroll DNA, demons and ninja magic. Uh, it's cool shit. I love that stuff. Sure. Well, demons and ninja magic. But I'm asking you, name a good OVA. Okay, what about... Uh, We've talked about it before. You enjoyed the Blackjack OVA from the 90s. That shit was wild. I would call that longer than a miniseries. Maybe doesn't count as an OVA. I don't know. It's it's eight, eight 40 minute episodes. What do you call that? Well, considering now the standard anime season is only like 10 to 12 episodes, I, I think that's pretty much like a wrap right there. That is basically a show. I mean, what do you think about OVAs that are only one episode? Okay, well, I surely, can't... Surely that can't count, right? I mean, we've got to draw lines somewhere. I don't know. What do you... What about something like Dragon Half? That was, like, just two episodes. Two, like, standard 25-minute episodes. Dragon Half... That's technically considered an OVA. Sure. Wasn't Dragon Half just a spinoff of Slayers, though? Was it? I've never seen Slayers, so I don't know if it was supposed to be a spinoff or not. In fact, I've only seen <laughs> I've only seen Dragon Hat. I'm tired of going into my memory palace, so I'm not gonna go back and think about it. But I think it was. Uh, I could be very wrong about that. I don't know. I I wasn't a huge fan of Slayers or Dragon Half. <laughs> I think that was more for just being horny over. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because in retrospect, like I'm looking at some of the designs from Dragon Half right now, and it's like it's so cartoonish and distorted. It's like, what is there to be horny over? It's like being horny over a Looney Tunes. Uh, the horny anime arms race has reached a fever pitch. So everything before the current generation feels tame. We're the boiling frog, unfortunately. <laughs> the temperature's just been rising steadily and we haven't noticed. Yes, they can't even tell anymore. Uh, impossible to say what was considered horny at the time. Well, I don't know. I don't think that that is a modern phenomenon. I, lest we forget Sailor Moon's transformation sequence, right? Where more or less we get treated. I have forgotten because I'm not a pervert. <laughs> I tastefully forgot about it. It's in your mind palace. Go look. No, I, if it's in there, I'll I'll take it out later. <laughs> but I am I am respectful. I do not look. You know, that's a woman changing, Nate. What the fuck is wrong with you? She was only 14, you pervert. It's terrible. Yeah, you shouldn't be peeking on that. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> uh, yeah, OVA suck. I don't like them. Um, <laughs> live action American fantasy miniseries are much better. I think we could all agree on that. Oh, that's the way to go for yeah, sure. It's like way, way better. Did you watch that that Amazon Lord of the Rings show? No, I didn't. I watched The Wheel of Time instead. <laughs> you couldn't bring yourself to watch that one. It was one or the other. Okay. Either Wheel of Time or Lord of the Rings. And frankly, Wheel of Time had more juice, baby. There's more <laughs> juice. Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, I haven't really watched quote unquote prestige television since Game of Thrones ended because I was so fed up with the entire format. Uh, it did really kill TV for me. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really watched too much. I watched, like I said, I think the last time I watched all of the bear in like two sittings basically because it was really good, but I never would have watched it if somebody hadn't like forced me to, you know? Right. Really good though. Totally blew me away. This is good shit. Everything else I've watched, not good. Yeah, not good. I watched a couple episodes of the new True Detective season. They're still making that, huh? It's season four. Uh, and it felt like a parody of itself. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Jodie Foster, too. It's like a real shame. All right. Okay, I think we've I think we've established uh, that OVAs are dumb. 
<laughs> uh, I think that we've beaten it into the ground. Why don't we why don't we take a break and let it uh, lick its wounds? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, well, I got there first. You know what, Remy? We were just talking about miniseries. I would yes, like just to... a couple seconds ago. <laughs> still fresh in my mind. With the power of movie magic, we are transcending the bounds of space and time. That's right. <laughs> All to share anime opinions. What an incredible use of our time. <laughs> That's what we use this amazing technology known as the internet for to distribute our <laughs> unfiltered dog shit opinions about cartoons straight to you. <laughs> the tiny sand grains of our lives are just trickling down <laughs> one by one <laughs> as we step forward through time to develop and distribute anime opinions. This is really great. It's really good, actually. <laughs> really excited to tell you about some of my new anime finds. <laughs> oh, good. So we can <laughs> we can talk about some anime. Yes, I'll, I, I, to make up for all that bullshit before, let's let's talk about some anime. I think that would be fair. All right, I would like that. Okay, very much. Tell me what you've been reading. My to talk about pile has grown uh, steadily since we started the podcast. It is overwhelming. But I did put together a little bit of a list of the stuff I've been reading most recently. All right. Um, Why don't you run down our titles and then pick one and I'll tell you about it. So I'm looking at your list here. We got uh, Aniali and Dewela. Is that right? Dewela. Dewela. Aniali and Dewela because it's angel and devil. Aniali and, and Dewela. It's, it's angels and devils. Okay. Oh. I get yeah, it. They're playing on I that. I get it. Yeah, you get it. They're doing a thing. They're doing a, a thing. It's Catholic shit. The first the first time in a while I read some Catholic shit and was like, yeah, I, no, I like that. It's <laughs> The Catholic part was fine. It was like this and then that movie about, about the Catholic ghost in the computer. <laughs> the Catholic ghost? Demonic? That was a Catholic. Yeah, demonic. No, no, no. The one I liked was Panty and Stocking. That's the other one. That's the only <laughs> two. Okay. That's coming back. Did you hear? I did hear. I, I'm I, both excited and full of dread. It feels, I don't know, it feels like a weird uh, thing to revisit at this point. I'm not exactly sure what jokes they didn't get to tell in the first run. It's like how they brought back uh, the Animaniacs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's actually almost weirdly reminiscent of that, huh? Yes, it seems like there is definitely a parallel there. It's very strange. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't read that. I didn't read that. I read these other ones. So we got that. We got uh, Batacu. Is that right? Uh, Batok. Batok. It's Portuguese, so I can't do the accent. Oh, gotcha. I can do it, but I won't try, you know. Death Hunter, Chaos Game, Suyoshi. She is beautiful, and... The one I actually want to start with is Mao, Mao. by Rumiko Takahashi, because that is a name that uh, we should all recognize at this point. Hell yeah, dude. Rumiko, queen, 
Manga Queen. Still slang after all these years. Fucking four decades of hits. Let's go. <laughs> Mao is a real weird one. I had obviously read and watched stuff like, you know, Ranma and Inuyasha and stuff like that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hadn't kept up with Rumiko's career over the years. I will admit again, bad feminist really letting him down. Yeah, I know this is a really bad episode for my feminism credits. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a hard time graduating. So I decided I wanted to check back in and I saw that Mao has been running for a little bit now, but it is seems to be the current one. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm getting in there. And Mao is, you know, this is going to be familiar to the Rumiko's body of work, but Mao is about a girl who finds that just under the surface of her world, there is another world lurking of uh, yokai and whatnot. You know, the whole deal. You don't say. Yeah. She discovers this by, like, going down a weird alley. And when she goes through the alley, it takes her to kind of the yokai world. But nobody else can do that. And she runs into sort of a weird, almost blackjack-looking dude who turns out to be kind of a wandering... Um, uh, geez, what would the word be for it? He's sort of like an exorcist, but more like, uh, more like the medicine man from Mononoke. A witch doctor. Kind of a witch doctor, but that seems like a loaded term. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a wandering spiritualist. I don't know. Um, a charlatan. Yeah. And he, and she's like, Hey, I'm a, I'm, I need to go home. This is like a weird place. And he's like, you smell weird. I'm not sure you should be here. Uh, but I am going to, like, drag you around to solve, like, yokai mysteries for a while for some reason. You know, reason. if I had a dollar for every time someone said that I don't belong in a given space because I smell weird, uh, I'd have, I don't know, at least enough for, uh, for <laughs> at least a... <laughs> <laughs> Finish it. Finish the thought. At least $60. $60. Good. I was going to say at least yeah, enough for a new game, but I didn't know if that uh, <laughs> if that gave a, a proper uh, price range. Nate plucks up the courage to walk into the club. Another world. What is this? Incredible. <laughs> wow. And somebody walks up and he's like, you don't belong here, outworlder. Sir, would you please leave without a fuss? It's the bouncer. <laughs> yeah. And he's taking you gently by the shoulders. Mao <laughs> uh, <laughs> is really good. It, you know, it's funny how much Rumika Takahashi's style has remained consistent. If you fucking crack this book open for the first time, you will be like, oh, yeah, I know who this is. Mm-hmm. And that's very comforting in an age where all the all the old school artists seem to be dying one after another. Yeah. I, 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 I wish I did have to say that, but it is true. Uh, it makes me very sad. But uh, she's sticking with it. And this is just like, you know, her older stuff. A rollicking adventure about a, a girl who's discovering a whole new world and a side of herself with a, a mysterious fantasy boy. And it, it rules. I really like it. Uh, it's great. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Uh, okay, what about uh, She is Beautiful? Okay, this one is, this is fucking wild. This came out of nowhere for me. So let me let me tell you, because this is this is a very similar setup for some reason, and I, and I could not stop thinking about it. But let me tell you first about the movie Level 16. This was like an indie sci-fi movie. Uh-huh. It starts off with a, a girl, and you've it starts off with the feeling that she's in sort of a futuristic boarding school because her and all these other girls her age are like living in this kind of facility. 
And as they grow older, they like graduate to different levels, right? That's the idea. There's like literally floors that they go up. Yeah, like public school. Just like public school, just like boarding school. Uh, so she's reached level 16, and this is like, this is, a, this is the good one, right? They, everybody says you get to graduate after level 16. Um, but one day, you know, a, a, a mishap occurs, and she kind of gets, unfortunately, gets a peek behind the curtain and realizes things aren't all that they seem. Is it a Logan's run? Is that what this is? No, it is, in fact, a, a young girl skin harvesting ring. They raise these girls to have perfect skin, and then they skin the girls at age 16 and sell the skin to rich people. Oh, shit. That's the whole twist. Okay, yeah. so it's, what was that one, Promised Neverland? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's sort of like Promised Neverland, or The Skin I Live In, which is my favorite Antonio Banderas movie. Uh, one of the best and greatest and most uncomfortably awful sci-fi movies ever made. Not Under the Skin, not the Jonathan Glazer movie, The Skin I Live In, it's Spanish. Anyway, that brings us to She is Beautiful. She is Beautiful is about a young girl who lives in a creepy facility. All of her needs are taken care of, and she has a first-rate education. And her, Sounds sweet. Yeah, her bubble dome that she lives in with all of her, her female friends, because there's only women there, it seems. Uh, they're all having a good time, right? And she's, I think she's 13, and 13 is when they all get their job assignments. That's basically when they get their classes. Like, you know, one of them's a fighter, one of them's a cleric, whatever. Sure. Uh, and 13 is when you get assigned your role. Okay, so we're doing, like, gen like fantasy stuff. Uh, no, no. I just use those as examples. Oh, it's okay. very much sci-fi. Oh, it's sci-fi right. stuff. They're, like, gene splicing and shit. And she's all excited because she wants to go into, like, she wants to get, a, like, a BA in performative dance or some shit like that. So she's really hoping she, like, qualified for the fucking arts program. <laughs> That's her biggest concern in life. Until one night, on the eve of getting her class, she goes to sleep hugging her best friend. But when she wakes up, she's, like... 18 years old Ugh. and in a snowy cabin all by herself like literally eyes closed eyes open six seven years have passed she has no fucking clue what's going on until one of her classmates comes home and she's like hey you got into a big accident and you've forgotten everything you have amnesia in fact you have that memento disease where you forget everything uh, every single day. And she's like, I, I have memento disease? Damn, that sucks. At least you're here with me, person I vaguely remember from my childhood. That's not suspicious at all. Yeah, it is not suspicious. And then after things not being what they seem, things don't be what they seem again. Uh, that twist is harder to explain. So we got layers. We got layers going on here. Yeah, I, I, the point being that there is another twist after that one. It's... Much harder to explain, but um, the point being, this is a this is a twisty sci-fi, crazy, fucked up shit is happening kind of story, and uh, it is great. It is fucking fantastic. It is exactly the kind of sci-fi thriller that you want. Do they ever fall into like standard kind of like action sci-fi anime? tropes like uh do they have like weird android powers going on do we get like psychic fights stand battles going or is this like are they playing it straight there are no psychic battles there are no stands 
Nobody's casting Fireball. But uh, everyone has the fucking Elon Musk Neuralink chip. (laughs) And so, like, when people look at billboards, they all see personalized ads on them instead of, like, one consensus reality. (laughs) That's that's the extent of the weirdness from the sci-fi angle. Listen, Elon Musk had to kill a lot of magical girls with those early Neuralink chip uh, experiments before they got it right. Hey, they got to experience something beautiful before they died, okay? So it's actually good. <laughs> her and all of her female friends that grew up in the weird place are very intelligent. That is like the one thing. They're they're all like very smart. They got the, they're a bunch of baby geniuses. Baby geniuses, yes. And uh, I don't want to get into it because part of the thing was like, I read it blind and I, I hate when people are like, no, no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, Cause I feel like stories that completely rely on like one twist kind of suck usually. But in this case, there are like four or five twists all stacked on top of each other. And it is great to just experience them fresh. So this is one of those stories that hooks you fucking immediately and will not let go. Like it just keeps going. It goes hard. It goes fucking hard. It's great. Hell yeah. She is beautiful by uh, Jun Isaka. Uh, I'm going to check that one out. That sounds awesome. It's awesome. Well, let's shift gears here. Uh, tell me about Chaos Game. Okay, Chaos Game is fucking crazy. This is another one that really caught me off guard. I really pulled this one just completely by random. Um, and I'm not sure if I even have all the chapters that are out or if it's even going. It's one of those ones where it's like I got the first volume or whatever. And it's like, does this even continue? God, I hope so. This one is about a really shitty bottom of the rung photojournalist. And she's trying to, like, cover political corruption. Not a good idea. Yeah. Generally, that's not a good career choice for someone trying to be a journalist. No, it's not. And especially uh, as a woman, I will say, especially when she's going undercover at hostess clubs and stuff. Not a good scene. So she's obviously uh, way too ambitious for her own good. She actually gets shit canned immediately because uh, it turns out the owner of the shitty newspaper she works at is involved in the political corruption she's trying to report on. Uh, You know, story as old as time, right? Yeah, it's not like that wasn't telegraphed at all by the entire situation, right? Exactly, exactly. So in Alette, this this puts her in a really awkward place, right? And because she's extraordinarily naive for some reason, uh, she decides that if she can just get the last piece of the scoop, uh, she'll have it all figured out. They'll have to publish it, right? Because that's how modern publishing works. (laughs) If you have a good story, they're forced to publish it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's very sad. Sorry, I'm just like contemplating my degree in journalism right now. Yeah, your whole life is just like (laughs) rocketing around your head. So she decides to go get the last scoop. And that's like going to be, as you can tell, uh, spying on some Yakuza. Really great last ditch effort right yeah again uh i i just don't see her strategy here. doesn't seem good doesn't seem like a good plan and it obviously goes very badly for her the yakuza capture her and her photo buddy and they just start beating the shit out of these guys they just start beating them brutally mercilessly and they're pretty clear they're like probably gonna kill them at the end this chick is like damn i wish i hadn't done a journalism degree <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not, not good for her. 
but then essentially the cross between Domino from the X-Men and fucking Frankenstein walks in and like causes a luck tsunami that murders everybody but her. Okay, that's an interesting twist to go with. Yeah. When you say Frankenstein, is it just like a big person or are they literally stitched together from corpses? We can't really tell. Uh, He definitely has like wounds all over. He's like one of those guys. So it's possible that maybe he's the undead. It could be. But basically he's massive and uh, he, he doesn't speak very well. He mumbles everything. It's a kind of a Frankenstein vibe. Uh, and when people come near him, random uh, coincidences kill them. Except for her. Whoa, what does that mean? Interesting. She's like chosen by fate. Coincidence can't kill her for some reason. That's fucking crazy. Anyway, it piques his interest and she, uh, obviously he piques her interest. So despite surviving against all odds by the worst journalistic instincts that have ever existed on planet Earth, she decides that she's going to start a new story about him, the killer that killed all those people and tried to kill her. She's great at this. She's fucking, I mean, she, she, she's got this journalism thing on lock. Oh man. She's going to end up at the bottom of a stadium somewhere. Oh yeah. So this begins a story, an occult mystery thriller that is a uh, kick-ass also goes some weird places. Uh, but I, you know, I am a sucker for that, that domino style, like, a series of Rube Goldberg-esque coincidences kill your opponent for you. Like, that shit is cool as hell. I just love when somebody's like, oh, watch out for, like, that quarter. It's fallen from the roof of that building, and then the quarter, like, hits him in the head, and he stumbles backwards into traffic, and he gets hit by a car, and then (laughs) the car launches him into a river, and then a crocodile eats him. And you're (laughs) like, damn, that's fucking cool as hell. That's awesome. I mean, that's Looney Tunes stuff. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Looney Tunes shit is awesome. And then, uh, then the Acme safe falls on him. And it opens to reveal he's he's inside the Acme safe. Yeah. <laughs> and he stumbles out. And he runs into a wall that has like a tunnel painted on it. It's all good shit. This is great shit. So that is just a fun setup on its own. There's some cool stuff. I really like the main character. I think even though we've just made fun of her ruthlessly, she is great. She's a really strong character. It's written with a really interesting adult tone, which I seriously appreciate. It's about adults, and it has an adult tone, (laughs) something that we talk about uh, loving. It's one of my favorite elements of any manga. It's not written specifically for horny teenage boys. Like, that shit rules. (laughs) So, yeah, Chaos Game by Daiki Yamazaki. Uh, Good. All right, what uh, what about Death Hunter? Okay, Death Hunter fucking rules. I can I can just say that straight up. I mean, it's it sounds like someone who's hunting death. Am I getting that right? You know, the name is <laughs> the name is maybe not important. <laughs> it's um, one of those. All I just, right, I just want to say that up front. Death Hunter is sort of just gobbledygook. I mean, what does that even mean? How do you hunt death? That's really stupid. It's a really stupid thing to say. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, you, you know, you got to you got to find out where death is and then you go seek it out. You go hunt it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically what the character does. I, you know, Death Hunter is by Hidai Kazumasa. And that name is important because this is sort of a legacy manga. This one's a little bit older and it's got an, a pretty interesting pedigree. 
you know, this was written in 1969. Uh-huh. Which, you can imagine, was an interesting year for manga. It's a strange time. I mean, that's kind of, that's the early formative years. That's when uh, Astro Boy was coming out. Yes, exactly. Uh, we had very strange things happening. Manga was, like, becoming what it is now. It was, like, in the middle of that transition from sort of, like, fun uh, interstitials in magazines and, like, newspaper comics and stuff to its own sort of product. Death Hunter is coming at a time where, like, science fiction is sort of becoming a prominent thing as a, a, a genre in itself, um, and, and which to the point where I, I actually, for this, I want to read a little bit that Kazumasa Hirai wrote as a foreword to Death Hunter. This is Hirai, quote, I'm an established SF author, so I only write original science fiction stories for manga, and therefore I don't have as many works as some of my counterparts. I'm not a prolific writer by nature, but there are very few others who would fit that bill anyway. I'm afraid that's just how things go. While there has been a sudden influx of new SF manga writers, all with new ideas, the demand for the genre is as scarce as ever. There was a brief time when the TV manga boom led to an increase, an oversaturation of, if you will, excuse me, of SF manga, and I believe this has directly damaged SF manga as a result. Those with neither the appreciation nor the understanding of SF manga made a jump to it in an attempt to capitalize on merchandising rights. They're like wild hyenas who will devour anything in their path. <laughs> As a result, science fiction is no more. As a science fiction author, I cannot help but cry. He gets a little bit dramatic there at the end. He, he might get a little bit dramatic. Uh, he has declared the death of science fiction in the 1970s, which is a very interesting angle to take, I have to say. Well, okay, so, I mean, obviously we can't, we can't help but look at that statement from the year 2024, right? Obviously, No, sci -fi, I cannot. It's very difficult for me. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, sci-fi did not die, uh, neither in manga format or otherwise in media. Yeah, it sort of the 70s were sort of the greatest like adult science fiction movement had that has ever existed in the history of genre <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is very funny you know so i'm not exactly sure where he's coming from here you know i, I i'm kind of curious i really don't know that much about the 70s manga scene but there must have been some shit that really set him off you know i don't know i wish i knew what it was that he hated so much maybe he was just insanely jealous of devil man do you think maybe it was like tokusatsu stuff you know that's actually a good uh that's a good point to bring up i was about to say the 70s was a pretty notable low period for the godzilla franchise i guess so mecha godzilla was in the 70s though i mean it Look again, looking back with nostalgia, a lot of the fan favorites are from that era. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's because they have, like, I say this as a Godzilla fan. Most of Godzilla, if you're really into the entire catalog, a lot of it is like kitsch appeal, right? Sure. Yes. It is. It has campiness to it that people like. Yeah. Uh, they were n absolutely not taking themselves seriously. That's just what I was trying to point sure. out. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to say uh, the 70s was the era of Stalker, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Silent Running, Zardoz, Solaris. Um, let me think. 
you know, the, the first few Star Trek movies, uh, Fantastic Planet, Logan's Run that you mentioned earlier, uh, fucking THX 1138, A Boy and His Dog, Alien. I mean, let's not forget that 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in 68, just a couple years before. Soylent Green, The Man Who Fell to Earth, you know, The Planet of the Fucking Apes. Uh, so it's very weird to hear someone call the, the the era of the death of science fiction. That's all I'm trying to say. Anyway, this all becomes much funnier when you realize that uh, Death Hunter, the serious hard sci-fi that he's writing about, is about a dude who gets recruited to a secret a military force called like the death hunter force who are hunting <laughs> alien zombies who, t- who have the ability to mimic humans. <laughs> and he becomes trained through a series of death games to become an ultra killer with a, a mechanical right eye that can scan alien forms. Hell yeah. 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 I mean, that is legit. Cool. I mean that, that I like it, that. No, it, look, let me be frank. Death hunter awesome truly fucking badass uh but it is goofy as hell calling the elite group the death hunters it's like like (laughs) coming down like hey kid you want to be part of kick-ass squad yes it is (laughs) it is absolutely some fucking like thunder force yeah you remember yeah you know that one Mm mm-hmm it's like Thunder Force meets the island. Like, that's the kind of the vibe that I'm getting off of it. But it kicks ass. It fucking rules. It's really, really hey, great. Hey, we're the Death Hunters. Who are you guys? Uh, we're, we're the Screaming Eagles. Yeah. It's just very funny in that context that he thinks he's, like, this incredibly fucking morose, you know, I am the guardian of hard sci-fi, and then this is what he writes. James Bond, but aliens. Uh, I don't know. It fucking rules, though. It's great. Really great 70s art style that just feels incredible to read now to to remember how much that like manga look uh, took to really solidify, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, just kind of seeing its its evolutions over the years is always interesting. That 70s kind of like 60s style. Yeah, that's all very uh, Astro Boy style, right? Yeah. Uh, Because we didn't really get like what we consider like the modern anime look. That didn't start really developing until like the late 80s going going into the 90s. And then like it took a dramatic shift with the whole Moe boom, like in the early 2000s. Yes, it is. It's a weird thing to chart. Okay, just to wrap this one up, I just want to read the last part of his statement. He says, All living things are natural-born killers. I would like to emphasize there are no good guys or bad guys in this work, for war and justice never go hand in hand. And with the environmental destruction and pollution on a global scale, humanity's place in this world needs to be reconsidered. We must therefore consider what makes us human and approach from a different angle. It was this in mind that I originally wrote Death Hunter. Again, <laughs> a series about a guy with a robot arm that shoots machine guns at transforming aliens. You know, uh, when you think about it, like at the same time that this is coming out, 
Hayao Miyazaki is off in a corner writing his magnum opus of Nausicaa, essentially a much better version of that statement in a much cooler wrapping paper. I can only imagine him just like giving the side eye, right? <laughs> I I wonder. I really do wonder. You know, we we have no way of knowing, but it is it is interesting to think about how these guys were pinballing off each other in the seventies. Anyway, yes, Death Hunter, good. <laughs> All right, um, let's uh, let's round it out here. Uh, go back. Tell me what was uh, Batok? What is that? Batuk. Batuk. Batuk by Sake Toshio. Uh, I'm led to believe that Batuk is Portuguese for rhythm. Uh, who knows if that's true? That's what the manga said. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> Listen, we only we can only go by the information we are given. And, and most of that information is given to us via manga. Yes, exactly. I've, I learned most of the things about the world from manga. So I am constantly second guessing myself. <laughs> that is why the, we are the way we are. In case you were wondering. Yes, this is most of my damage. Uh, okay, let me let me pitch you here. What do you, what do you think about uh, a manga that's about a young person who's learning martial arts? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a unique uh, idea that's never been done before. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think if, uh, if that young person is maybe a girl who's trying to find herself in the tumultuous era of like high school? Okay. All right. I, I see. Yeah. Trying to find an identity for herself. Yeah. Something's starting to develop here. I'm getting a picture of what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Now, what if she meets a homeless man who teaches her capoeira? God damn it. I knew you were going to bring up capoeira. <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. What, uh, what is Japan's fascination with capoeira? Because it pops up in the weirdest places. You, you say that, but I really, I don't think capoeira comes up that often, you know? Uh, it is, it, it, sometimes they throw capoeira moves into other martial arts styles as like, you know, a little bit of like novelty or flavor or whatever, uh, but I don't see capoeira coming up a lot. Okay, so <laughs> as we have. You seem to. I mean, the the big one that comes to mind for me is Eddie from the Tekken games. They specifically list his fighting style as capoeira in in his data page. Okay, but fighting games like they run out of ideas really fast and have to just like Google other martial arts, and capoeira comes up. As like the fourth or fifth hit, like that's why. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Put it, put it in They're that break one. Break dance fighting. Well, then why don't they ever do like uh, like French cane fighting or something? They do, dog. You got to play more fighting games, dude. I should get back into Soul Calibur. Uh, I liked those games. Okay, so it's about Capoeira. Yes. Oh, what was, that was the other one. Um, the llama lady from from Odd Taxi. Uh, she had a whole thing about how she was learning Capoeira and she uses it to fight some some yakuza dudes i think capoeira maybe has an appeal because unlike uh maybe let's say traditional martial arts in japan that are all about like discipline and training yourself capoeira is about like community and freeing yourself you know it's like I, I think about the vibes man it totally is i think <laughs> it can be read as very hippie if you look through that that lens um, cause it's about enjoying yourself and letting loose and trying to like, you know, fucking relax for once in your fucking life, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay. But it's also about like kicking people. There are kicks. Yes. You're definitely kicking people sometimes, but 
in a playful it's way. Like, like fun kicking. Fun kicking. When our main character starts Capoeira, sh- she gets frustrated at first because it seems like everything they're doing are just like children's games. You know, it's got that kind of vibe to it. Oh, okay. Uh, until she learns to let go and kind of like learn how to enjoy herself is when she actually starts learning. That's heavy, like drunken master stuff right there. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, it definitely has a little bit of that, you know, and she goes to a Capoeira like meetup because this this Capoeira manga is very much about like authenticity and exposing you to like real Capoeira culture. The real. The real <laughs> shit, you know? They can't just call it Brazilian culture? Well, Brazilian culture is a lot more varied than Capoeira, my man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dock you some cultural sensitivity points for that <laughs> comment. <laughs> I'm taking away your your gold stars. Oh, whoops. You'll get another chance next week. Uh, but like exploring that, you know, in Capoeira, in a meetup, unlike, I don't know, like a in a karate dojo or whatever, where you're all sitting silently, like watching people spar. Uh, in Capoeira, people are playing music and singing and and like sitting in a big circle together and people are allowed to come in and out of the circle and kind of like you know spar with each other but it's more of a like playful like moving with each other kind of feel to it uh in the manga of course because it's a manga and manga needs drama there is like kind of a mean-spirited girl who's in their circle who like tries to take it too far against our main character and gets her fucking ass handed to her. She's trying to capoeira with bad vibes. Yes. One of the characters has bad vibes capoeira, uh, which sucks. Is that like her specific style? Does she use evil capoeira? She does. She uses (laughs) the evil capoeira (laughs) to defeat our main character. Uh, Oh, she's using the forbidden spin kick. She kind of is. (laughs) And also that spin kick is called the stingray and they talk about it a lot. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, all right. I didn't know the proper terminology. It's very specific because in other martial arts, get this, in other martial arts, you're never supposed to put your hands on the ground. But in Capoeira, you put your hands on the ground. Well, yeah. How do you do the cool like uh, head spin top kick thing that Eddie does? Yeah. It's fucking kick ass. Also, hey, uh, look, Eddie's not doing real Capoeira. I just want to say, like, in case anybody, uh, on the off chance anybody is confused, that is not uh, real Capoeira. That's breakdance fighting. Uh, that's Zoolander shit. <laughs> I remember you took great offense in me describing Capoeira as breakdance fighting. It's Yes, because people say that all the time. It is not breakdance fighting. I really have to stress that. Just to earn my cultural sensitivity points for the week, uh, Capoeira <laughs> is not breakdance fighting. It is, it's a real thing, and there is a, there's a whole system, okay? Anyway... Because it's a manga and there needs to be drama, it also turns out that she's descended from a, a villainous Capoeira master <laughs> who is living in Brazil. And uh, somebody kidnaps her foster parents so that she'll be forced to train in Capoeira to eventually defeat her evil siblings in Brazil to gain the title of Master Capoeira uh, and, and harness the Capoeira gangs to earn millions of dollars or something like that. Is some insane shit like that. I have a hard time believing that there's enough people that know Capoeira for there to be multiple fighting gang factions. Oh, I, I don't want to get into the history of Capoeira here because, again, I there's a real possibility I will lose even more cultural sensitivity <laughs> stars uh, if I get it wrong. But the manga does go in-depth into the history of Capoeira and its use in Brazil and how it was outlawed by the occupying forces because it was too powerful. Um, <laughs> all, all this kind of shit. 
<laughs> anyway, Batuk really kicks ass. And Batuk is by the author of uh, Usagoi, which is that gambling death game that I talked about a long time ago and some of my favorite death games. Uh, that's the one that straddles death game and gambling game, which are two distinct uh, death game kind of spinoffs. But Usagoi is really good. And I really like the art in Batuk. I think it stands out a lot. It has some very interesting, uh, let's say, quirks. I think it's really good. All right. Batuk by Sake Toshio. Uh, I know you are constantly looking for new teenage girl learns martial arts comics. So I, I think you're going to really like that one. Well, I was about to say like, yeah, after uh, what was that other one that I talked about? Uh, the one about about MMA girls fighting in high yeah, school. The, the, the MMA girl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, that one I did like quite a bit and it got cut short. That was a that was one that got canceled after like 30 or so chapters, which was disappointing. Yeah. Well, the other good one right now is Isho Senkin. Uh, which is about that the strongest high school girl. <laughs> is that just, is there any like gist to that fighting? Is it a specific style or are they just fight? She has her own specific style for underground fighting that she was taught by an evil cult. Hell yeah. Yeah. Dope. I think it's called Star Strike It Rich in English. And maybe that's what we talked about last time, but. Oh yes, that's the one from the guy that did the uh, the workout anime. Yes, exactly, exactly, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's really good. And it's all women doing underground fights with each other. And uh, the one insane, extraordinarily powerful teen high school girl who has the ability to destroy anyone in a fist fight. Well, I'll put that one on the list, too. That sounds like something I'm into. Yes. All you weird <laughs> girl martial artist perverts, like, get on it. <laughs> all right. That's manga, baby. That's manga. That's the manga stuff. Yes, yes. But you did tell me that you fucked up a long time ago and you wanted to <laughs> you wanted to do something about that. You wanted to like revise your opinion on some pervert shit that you were talking about before. First of all, it, this was absolutely not pervert shit. This is classy shit. This is good shit. Oh, I apologize. You could see you could see why. I I understand why you think it would be that given my track record, but no, this is one of the rare occasions where I I stand behind the quality and integrity of this particular work. Uh and <laughs> and this isn't so much of a retraction but more of a modification on on my take from when I talked about uh I hope you're happy lemon, uh which is a very fun rom-com, anti-rom-com. Uh, I don't know how you would describe it that's going on right now. Uh, I talked about it when the first chapter was out and I was really into it. And essentially it's a body swap story where the guy wakes up one day as his ex-girlfriend and realizes that like she's just a genuinely better person than him and everybody <laughs> likes her more than him, which was already a very fun concept that I was into. And I just wanted to to add a little bit more to that because the story's developed in a way that I did not foresee. And that is, it's not just a body swap story where he is living out her life. I mean, she's in his body as well. And the twist that they've added is that they actually swap bodies back every other day, uh, which was not something that was introduced at the, at the very beginning. Uh, I, I think that puts a fun twist on it because now we have this this ongoing kind of like tension with all the ancillary characters uh, that are kind of making up the rom-com portion of it. And so we have like his, his best friend is in love with Lemon 
his ex-girlfriend, but only when he's in her body, uh, which I think is a very f- uh, funny, funny twist on the whole thing. Right. Riffing on the uh, early 2010s bromance concept. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we also we also have kind of the the opposite of that, of of our main dude being in love with Lemon's roommate. Uh, and and he uh, completely turns her off when he ever whenever he's trying to be Lemon. It's very funny. When he's trying to... He, yeah, no, he is, by being a weird, awkward dude who has a crush on her, he is, like, inadvertently ruining their friendship by being weird about it when he's in Lemon's body. Like, what what does he do when he's trying to mimic her that is so off-putting? Uh, I mean, most of it is just acting weird and awkward and and vaguely misogynistic (laughs) (laughs) so just being himself yeah exactly (laughs) uh but uh you know also kind of like the constant uh there's a lot of tension around like them avoiding each other and her being like you know thinking that her friend doesn't want to be her friend anymore when really it's like him trying not to fuck up like pretending to be this other person they're not exchanging, like, notes at the end of the day? Uh, they do, but, you know, he's an idiot, and sometimes he gets it wrong. Okay, so he's just stupid as hell. Yeah. Hey, can I just say, don't, don't, nobody read too much into this, but I would slay that. I would fucking <laughs> kill it. I would be so good at that. Honestly, I would be fucking Oh, great. yeah, you, you've, you've thought about that a lot. You think that you'd nail that one? Not a lot, but thinking about it right now, I would fucking kill it. I would be so good at that. <laughs> okay. I would do all the stuff. I'm I I'm very emotionally intuitive. I could I would figure it out like day one and be like, we are gonna fucking slay this. <laughs> I'd be so into it. Uh just shouting out the other body swap manga, uh Futari Switch. Still going, uh very funny and cool, uh very good, like very much. All right. <laughs> That's my update on, on something I read. <laughs> Keep up the good work. That's the update. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. That's fucking some anime shit, man. We talked about anime. We got it in there. We got it in there. We 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 snuck in the anime vegetables into the slop. Oh, I really didn't want to talk about anime, but we really shoehorned it in, I guess. Uh this has been a not a lot of anime. You know, sometimes sometimes it's good to step back, take a breather, a palate cleanser, if you will. It can't be anime all the time. You think we could we could wait a few at least a few weeks into the onslaught of new anime to talk about? But you know, hey, sometimes life comes at you like that. Uh, next time we'll talk about anime. How about that? All can right. we can we agree on that? I think that we can we can come to an agreement on on talking about anime next time. Oh, I really don't want to talk about anime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, handsome God damn and it. beautiful listeners, oh. thank you again for sticking it out with us. Go to the TikTok and subscribe, like. I'm, I'm putting out the videos. Please comment, do the stuff. Yeah, we're your best friends. You do that for your best friends. We're your best anime friends. We've got the good anime hookups. Yeah, here's your best friend asking you, please go do stupid shit that you don't want to do so that we feel better about number going up. Yeah. You would do that for your best friend, and we are your best friend, so do it. All right, I think that brings us to the end of it, right? To the end of everything. Yes, we're going to kill ourselves. (laughs) 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 Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) No, but really, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye forever. (laughs) 
graphic novels. They're not like comic books. They're graphic novels, and they make you smarter. 